Welcome to Timeline Scavengers, a podcast specifically designed to last forever. I'm James Anderson, one of your hosts, and I didn't start this with Hey Everybody, so, or Hey Everyone, which is the thing I actually say. That was, that's throwing me off. Hey everyone, this is Colin Parker, (laughs) your other host. And on this show, we're going through the MCU in historical order, scene by scene, until the end of time, or day by day in this case. Colin? Yes, James. It's a new day. It's a new era. That oh, hey. Mm-hmm. It's a new line cinema's release. Um Scream Six, Timeline Scavengers. Get the rope. Uh Timeline anyway. Screvengers. Screaming. All right. Hey, so <laughs> we are starting Agent Carter. Not a one shot, not a fan fiction. Agent Carter. Mm. Proper. Today. Today. Um, in the future, uh, so we're going to go through day by day, as we've said. Just like to reiterate the new TV policy, just so that no one is, is worried. Um, but the first thing we're going to do is talk about the date that this takes place that has been bugging me since we started this project. And we'll talk about it in a second. Mm-hmm. But first, let's do... Kind of a buck wild uh, timestamp and and uh, sure and etc. So let's go for it. You are going to be watching. Now listen, there are two <laughs> ways of 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 doing this, and Colin kind of uh, Colin kind of alluded to this in the episode about the second day of the one shot. But right, sorry, yeah. Here's what I have, and then we'll do a concise version ask, of it after. Okay, I'll let you. I'll let you tell. Okay, hang on. Sorry, so, I'm just. I'm just gonna say it like this. Is there a reason why you couldn't keep it all one thing? Yeah, because it keeps being things that we've seen already. Okay, all right, that's so fair. I guess in my but, mind, we didn't. We cut because we cut flashbacks, and sure. those were flashbacks. But they were flashbacks that we already would have covered. We don't need. To see him. So here's the Buck Wild thing that I've had for this episode, and then we'll talk in a second. <laughs> okay. Well, you don't, we don't need to talk in a second. You can also just watch this from 39 seconds to 1332 of, of episode oh, one. But of that's season not one. what you've written here, James. No. Here's what if you want to program, because it's really hard to do also, mm-hmm. if you want to program some sort of computer that's going to skip these couple of second intervals because you. Or just close really, your eyes like, for X You need of to for sure like send me that program because I would love it. Here's what you're going to do. Agent Carter, season one, episode one, start at 39 seconds, end at one minute, five seconds. Then you're going to restart at one minute, 11 seconds, and go to one minute, 17 seconds. Then you're going to restart it again at one minute, 19 seconds, end at 125. Then you're going to start it at 128 and end at 131. Then you're going to start at 133 and end at 136. Then a real feast. Start at 138 and end at 236. That is nearly a minute of unstopped footage. Then you're going to start it at 2 minutes and 45 seconds. And what will seem like a war and peace, Dostoevsky done <laughs> annotated style clip is going to run from 2 minutes and 45 seconds to 13 minutes and 32 seconds. Um, what an unhinged timestamp that you've given, Colin. I know that you know that this is what you signed up for when you no, decided I know. to work for with sure, <laughs> for sure. It's just it's it's 
Can I, I mean, <laughs> luckily we knew though from the beginning, yeah. even before we did this change, that that was yeah. all one scene though, right? You weren't- Exactly. Okay. Cause, so you were never at any point having that be one, two, three, four, five, six, oh, seven no. episodes. No, and that's why, that's again why it was split like this was because the scene is she's getting ready. Right. And there's a future scene that I cut together that I then split apart because it doesn't matter where like in one scene someone's receiving a message that uh-huh. they that is intercut with them acting on the message it's in your episode it's in the next episode mm-hmm. where the guy gets the typewriter thing that's like find the such and such and it's intercut with him like stabbing the guy's hand and stuff maybe it's not in the next episode maybe it's I don't in the think future. so no but like I was like I watched it, that stuff like yesterday I'm pretty yeah. certain that was not in there there's there's one where like it made sense to cut the scenes and pull them apart like we did with the interrogation stuff in right correct yeah yeah so but yes um this, so this is all one day. Again, we're going to get to which day exactly. And actually, I feel more at peace with it after having looked at some stuff tonight than I have, again, in 2022 and most of 2021. So good, here's what good, happens good. in this day. Peggy gets ready for the day, reminiscing about Steve Rogers. She greets her roommate, mm-hmm. Colleen, who is returning home as she heads to work at the SSR office, which is behind a hidden wall at the New York Bell phone company. The SSR office is trying to track down Howard Stark, who has been accused of selling weapons to enemies of the, of the United States and has now <clears throat> disappeared before the Senate hearings are concluded. He is in contempt of Congress and a fugitive from justice. Carter tries to contribute with her knowledge of Stark from the war, but Chief Dooley shuts her down and other men in the department talk down to her in various ways. Later, she is venting her troubles to her friend Angie, an aspiring actress who works at the L&L Automat. Carter receives a note to meet out back in five minutes. When she gets out there, she is confronted by a man in the shadows. She punches him and then runs from the oncoming car. Trapped, she shoots out the tires of the car, which turns out to be driven by Howard Stark. He introduces her to Edwin Jarvis, who is the guy that she punched, and tells her that he needs help, needs her help in recovering the dangerous items that have been stolen from his vault and clearing his name. He drives away in a speedboat, and Jarvis and Peggy drive back to the city. Out of the Flynn and into the SSR pan, am I right? Yeah, exactly. Duly, more like... Duty. Doodooly. <laughs> Nailed it. Nailed it. Take that So let's get the horse out of the barn right away. Okay. That's an idiom that I just made up. I don't know how it's working for you, but let's uh, let's talk about it. See, I was really expecting something about like the horse and the cart. You know what I mean? Like I was really thinking it was like. Let's put the cart before the elephant in the room. (laughs) Okay, sure. So rare form. as she gets ready for the day, she's reading a paper. What's that? Just rare form tonight, which is great. <laughs> My hair should tell you that I'm 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 feeling like a little bit of wild man. I mean, same, right? I, I took off my yeah, hat. I've that, got some hat yeah, here for sure. So, doodle, listener, one of the one of the the key clues that we use here on Timeline Scavengers, and by which I mean mostly the MCU wiki, to determine what date something is, is by the Marty McFly method, which is find a newspaper and look at the front and says what date it is. Mm-hmm. So she's reading a newspaper in the beginning of this episode. Why yeah. not? Let's look at what it says. 
The paper says April 21st, 1946. Great. Great. We have a date. Now, listener, if you are looking, if you're a, if you're one of those like insightful attention details per people that are looking at the title of this episode, it doesn't say April 21st, 1946. It says April 14th, 1946. So we're going to get to why on that in a second. But I was really like high on my horse about like the paper says the 21st. Why on earth are we saying the 14th? Then she's reading a paper at the automat later that says June 24th. So I guess it doesn't fucking matter. <laughs> <laughs> Because it's also clearly not that much time between those scenes, right? The the they it, just the climax of this movie is May eighth, nineteen forty six. It's the yeah. one year anniversary of VE Day. Why she has some sort of early edition newspaper from the future? I don't know. They don't I explore think, that. <laughs> here's what I think. I think yeah. we had a bunch of old fake newspapers from other movies lying around. Yeah. And people just didn't give a flying fuck about like, what it said. They're like, who's going to read it? And again, this is the same day. Right. Yeah, exactly. It, it is for sure. And like, I didn't check this and I should have. And that's on me. If it's the same day, she's likely reading the same paper. Right. That doesn't have the same headlines. So I have to imagine that she's reading a different a different paper. I guess it could be the evening edition. That's probably what it is. That actually, I can I can work with that. Sure. That's the evening edition. Because you don't have like Twitter or whatever to tell you about exactly. things. So and they're, like, right. And they used to do like, you know, spe- like special edition, extra, extra, read all about it. Trending the extra for you. Is, and... It's an extra edition of the paper in addition to the morning and evening edition of the news. Anyways. In a future episode, we're going to get a coded message that talks about April 27th. To which a guy we're going to meet in a second, Jack Thompson, says, that's less than two days from now. Now, if you think that he sounds like a cool guy because he knows like what date it is, just hold your horses. <laughs> because Yeah, just hold on. No. Just wait. Um, if you take the day he says that, that's in season one, episode five, and you follow it back day by day to where we start... You get April 14th, 1946. It literally can't work to be the 21st because there's too many it's night and then it's day agains in between that and this other thing. Unless he's just plain like, no, it's not. Today's right. May 4th. What are you talking about? <clears throat> like, <laughs> right. Yeah. yeah. Um, so that's why it's that. And that's why I would advocate for keeping it the way the MCU wiki has it, even though it makes no sense in a way that it could make sense being the 21st in a way that doesn't make any sense at all being the 24th of June. Um, and that is the end of, of that presentation. You know, I was also, um, I just like super quick while you were talking, I was like, I wonder if that's even on IMDb, right? Cause you know, there's like continuity or goofs and yeah, stuff like that. Yeah. It's not in there. Like I'm looking at this, uh, and the only goofs that really are noticed, in this uh in this episode as a whole is yeah. when the alarm in the office goes off there are clocks visible around the alarm the time on the new york clock is 10:40 and 15 seconds later when they go into the meeting room 
the New York clock has gone back five minutes to 1035. Hmm. So like, you know, it's very clear that they filmed things out of order kind of thing. And then right. just, someone didn't double check it. That's the right. only like real main uh, thing other than the idea of when Agent Carter's fighting someone later, the end of her hair clearly falls into a lit burner and yet it remains unburnt. Yeah. You know, those, those are the two goofs. Yeah, that's those. Those are the two main. Th- no one, James. You are the first person to call. Like, the, did the MCU wiki catch this, or did you catch so. this? So you're the only. The person. June twenty fourth thing was a shocking thing for me to catch. Now, so so much so that I'd actually, I also have imagined Peggy Carter punching someone in the face when she absolutely did not punch someone in the face. So probably we should we should check my work here. Oops, hang on. I'm but literally about to go after, do that. Right She's in the LNL automat, and it's when Angie comes over and is like, "Hey, Captain America, I'd sure fuck him or whatever she says." <laughs> James, but I forget Jesus the line. Um, <laughs> you know, something like that. Something it's, it's along those lines. <laughs> Jesus Christ, Captain America! What a hot piece of ass that was, huh? <laughs> <laughs> you think you got a big old cock, Peggy Carter? She's like, what the fuck? <laughs> okay, I wouldn't know. I only felt it up again. What? Wait, what? Yeah, what? it was unfortunately not everything got bigger when he. <clears throat> anyway. Oh, uh... no. <laughs> okay, I, I've got it. Here we go. New York City, 1946. Okay, on this first thing, she sees Howard Stark. There's no date. She looks what? up to day of festivities. There's no date again. Hang on. But that doesn't mean that that's all. All Because she's still. This is just the very beginning of that scene. Hang on one second. Okay. Now. Okay. Here we go. Yep. Sunday, April 21st, 1946. Just since I'm here, let's just go ahead and get a quick old screen grab of that. Okay. So there's that. And then the other one's later on that evening, right? It's in, in when she's in the, in the automat. Yeah. Wednesday, June 20th. It is, I mean, who, <laughs> this is fucking crazy to me. I like, I can't. No. Also, I can't it says Wednesday, this. June 24th, 1946. Yeah. Was it not a Wednesday? It was a Monday. So I don't <laughs> even know what the hell is going on. <laughs> I feel like I'm losing my mind a little bit. <laughs> what what day of the week was the other newspaper? Uh, correct. It was Sunday, May May twenty first or April twenty first. Sunday, April twenty first is correct. And but wait, hang on though. And she went into work on Sunday. Yes. Okay. I mean, I guess the government's open twenty four seven. Like that, that exactly. makes sense. But like, wait, it's yeah. That one, I'm like fine. That, I mean, I guess that's fine. But it's just like I don't know. It's just so. This this has slightly broken me. Yeah, this is hey, welcome to my brain. Every time I think about this, also, and I have okay. so many notes all over the place that are like the date though. They are both um, home editions, which is fun. Um, yeah. What's wanna... the news? Are they both the same newspaper? Yep, the New York Examiner. Here's you took something. A screenshot of the June twenty fourth thing too, right? Yeah, here's something fun. Unless it's a unless it's just how the the. Like the pixels get a little blurry when you try and zoom in. It does look like it says copyright 1964 uh, by the New York <laughs> Examiner Company. Now that again could just be that it gets a little blurry there. 
Right. Um, now, okay. Now let's also take a look at this. So this is volume XCV22, number 33634. XCV? XC is 19. And then V22. V is 5. 2, 2. 7. Sorry, 1, X- 1. I'm sorry. I, I, whatever. Sorry. XCV. I, I. I, I. So 19, not 197, That's volume 97. 197, right? Oh, no, sorry. Now I understand what you're saying. Sorry. I don't know what the fuck I was thinking just now. Sorry. That's 97. Yeah. Volume 97, number three, 33,634, uh, okay. and a detailed report on page 32. Uh, now, on the second newspaper, we are on the same volume, but number 33,637. So there's so been three- there's been two other editions in between these two. Okay, also, this one does say copyright 1942. This one's a little bit easier to see. So I think the other one was just a matter of when I zoom. That's definitely not a 1942, though. That's definitely 1944. So again, there's something wrong with how they're doing these. Um, the weather today, partly cloudy and something. Uh, tomorrow, partly cloudy with a little chance of temperature? Is what it looks like it says. Little change to temperature. Sorry, that's what it is. Detail report on page 32. The weather is the is the same. So at least there's that. At least that's the first thing they've gotten correct between the two. The dates are vastly different, though. And yeah. that is insane. They were three cents, though. Which feels like that's not what Newsies ended up at. So It did not. Yeah, no. So that's kind of crazy. Here's another fun thing for you, James. Yeah. Uh, when do you think the satellite was invented? The satellite? Yeah. The Matthews Band song? No, just satellites as a thing. Um. Well, Sputnik was 54, I think. Uh, I don't know. So, according to this, October 1957 is the first launch of an artificial satellite into Earth's orbit uh, from the Soviet Union. That was 1957. Uh, So tell me why in the newspaper it says European bombing offensive hits targets destroying satellites. Um, Unless they mean like a satellite satellite dish. dish. But like how would a satellite dish send stuff out? In 1946, that that might be that might be I might be dumb on that one. I, mean, I don't know. Howard Stark. Uh, that's fair. Um, Hold on, I'm still haven't found a June 24th that is a what? Following Maybe? following the second day of heated testimony, Howard Stark has been called back to the stand to face a third day of what will surely be more something cross examination by the uh, prosecutor. I think maybe. With a courtroom at times something, something that it betrayed its 275 gallery occupancy as professional lawyer and private citizens sat enthralled by the parrying back and forth between prosecutor and defendant. Mr. Stark never seemed to stray far from what appeared to be a perplexed something dreamer. He was cool, calm, and something as he... It has to be collected. I've never heard any... It, there's, it doesn't go up, though. Composed. 
Oh. Cool, calm, and composed as he di- as he fended off the questions from Mr. Kemsley persecuting the state's case. Pro- pro- prosecuting, sorry. Yeah, uh, it's it's he really hard to read this. But maybe it's, I, I'm trying to read this newspaper here. Yeah. At times, wait, what does it say? His name was uh, Kemsley. Huh. They give him a Senator Webster in the credits. So I mean, there that might. That might be, I don't know. I mean, there, there could be more than one person, I'm assuming. Yeah. Because like, a lot um, of the times there's more than one person. 1953 was the closest date that I could find that a Wednesday, June 24th happened. Wow, geez. So. Do you want to hear about Truman to visit Midwest ahead of term midterms? Uh, do I? Something, June something. June 24th, 19, hold on. Sorry, sorry, sorry. June 24th, 1931 was a Wednesday. Gotcha. Actually, her thumb is covering a lot of it, so is her shoulder, so I can't actually give you anything. Damn it, Peggy. Yeah. It says, something, something will continue through the blank. No answers were immediately something. A prescribed timetable has been under development to streamline the review process. The outlined prospectus will allow the effective construction of a something, something, promoting a a legitimate conclusion, something, something, her thumb's in the way, something, responses of, and then her thumb and the shoulder are in the way for the rest of it. Anyway, huh. yeah. June 24th, 1936 was a Wednesday. Do you think there's any way somehow someone heard 46? As 36? As Well, no, th- so heard, you know, 36, and then like Wednesday, June 24th, 1946. I'm like, oh, 46, great. I don't even need to look that up. Yeah. Like, it's... It's crazy. I mean, again, I, I want to point out that, like, I'll send these photos to you, James, but I'm telling you that this definitely says copyright maybe 1944 at the top okay. of the second one. No, at the top okay. of the f- first one, right? Because April April was first, right? So at the right. top of that one says copyright 1944, and then on the other one it says copyright 1942. So, like... Not like these are clearly, I don't know. They can't possibly be CGI'd. Well, because the attention to detail in the in the writing, I'm like, you couldn't. That's what I'm saying. I mean, like, I literally just read out loud to you half of an article that that, seems that is correct. literally yes, that is yeah. literally on this page, and then it's just. I mean, it's it's, and see again. I want to point out this is back before. Uh, television all fell back under the Marvel Studios purview. So right. This this would have been on. I hate to say it, one of my favorite writers, but this would be under the jurisdiction of Jeff Loeb back in the day. So okay. Jeff, come on, buddy. Like you're an incredible writer. You didn't write Long Halloween for Batman. And by, just to have but, the and fucking by, come on, buddy. We mean wrong. come on the show. And yeah, exactly. Yourself. Yeah, exactly. Get on this show. Hey, real talk. Hey, Jeff Loeb. I know you're a big listener, so we will talk in depth with you about timestamps and you know timetables of newspapers yeah but like you got to come on here and defend yourself because as of Absolutely. right now we're going to have the entire internet rake you over the coals buddy that's it's not looking good so that so we're going to go with what the MCU wiki has said it's april 14th 1946 so we have a bunch of things to do colin what are your thoughts about this day I mean, like, it, it makes a lot of sense. You know, she's just getting ready for work. And again, she's like, I guess, as always, thinking about 
you know, her boy. Yeah. You know, that she misses dearly. I, I totally get that because like I've definitely I've I've been there and it doesn't even have to be like a relationship or anything like that. Like it can just be about something that I'm missing or that I've effectively lost or whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, I in fact, honestly, just today I was, you know, reminiscing on some stuff and uh you know, a uh, on this day you posted this thing or whatever. You know, and I, I got to thinking about like that time frame in my life for a little bit and you right. know, felt a little nostalgic about it, you know, for a little bit. And like I was thinking about that while also, you know, cooking breakfast or whatever. So it's like totally I like I none of this seems outrageous. It feels very standard. Yeah. And uh, I mean it's it's sad, but also, you know, we've all lost someone at some point. For sure. And so it's it's just relatable. Uh that's yeah. all I have. Yeah. Um uh, do you wanna go so for this morning, that's that's what you're do you want like do you want anything else to say about like she goes to work, she talks to her, whatever, she um meets Jarvis, she meets Howard. Oh, you're right. I do forget that she does that at the very end there. Um I mean like it's it's Angie. cool. Right. I mean Angie I think is great. Angie. Angie's not in the show for that long, uh, but she yeah. makes an impact. Not like a not like uh, her steady roommate Colleen, who is like. Anyway, so you know, uh, you know. Sorry, I had to take a shot. Yeah, you know, I just think <sighs> when you really think about it, she's kind of more of like a bulletin point on the list, you know. Yeah, and but like not like a you know a headliner. By yeah. any means necessary. Um, <laughs> she's just, I mean. I co-sign all of this. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, anyway. No, I, I I like this bit because, again, like, this is, you know, her getting ready. She shows up. I think it's very fun and interesting that, like, we show her as being, like, the only colorful thing in New York City. Yeah. Which is that fun. That iconic outfit. Yeah. Yeah, that iconic outfit. Uh, which I feel like we we see a, a little bit here and there, and then we at some point never see it again. I think. Right, right. And it's, that's also a very fascinating factor because they almost treat it like it's going to be like a Doug Funny type situation where she's going right. to wear the same thing every every episode. And then she simply does not. Um, and I find that it becomes like a you only have one dress. Are you okay? Like what's right. what's your financial situation like? Right. <laughs> Although I guarantee you, a lot of the dudes on that force have a suit, and that's it. Exactly. And well, that's like, the they can get away with it. Yeah, for sure. Goddamn. Uh, but like I, it we've kind of talked about it in other episodes and stuff like that. Yeah. But like the workplace for her is always not going to be great because there's a lot of, you know, again, it's like, it's fascinating that like people can view her the way that Flynn did, which is just like, Oh, you like, you kind of dated Captain America. And so that's why we keep you around. But it's like, Hey, y'all, y'all know she was involved in all this stuff before there was a Captain America, right? Like, She's clearly, you know, shown her worth, but like, right. that's what happens when you end up in a toxic work environment. And then like, you Absolutely. try and say something and then people go, mm, nah, no, if uh, maybe you're too nice for this, just go do something else. Um, and she's <laughs> which, like, which means mm. man, the phones Rose forward the calls to the, <laughs> yeah, which, you know, is very odd when you really think about it because they have an entire switchboard section and then they're right. still just kind of like, take our calls, Peggy. It's like, what the fuck is the point of the switchboard folks upstairs? Well, half of the 
Right. Well, I mean, it's but for I mean, sure a, a thing to... It's also but do you a think cover, that, I get it, but... Would you think that most of those operators are actually working for the New York Bell Phone Company? I... I've never thought that thought No, before. I don't... Well, here, here's what I think. I think that this is a situation of same building type mm-hmm. situation. I think that there's probably more than one room of these folks, right? Okay. Right. I imagine that a section of them are. Right. Right? But there's a scene in a later episode mm-hmm. where she walks in to a specific room with these operators and there is a mood within the room. Mm-hmm. Right, because of something that's happened, and I don't want to you know spoil that moment. Sure, yet. but I think though that to me that implies that they all would have known this person. Okay, fair enough to know. Like, oh, right, how, right, right, right. So like, you know, it's possible that there's many, many operators, but then like you go to that one section right. to then go you know through to your you know yeah designated area. We meet our meet our girl Rose. Right. Um, um, but I, I, I don't think that like, because like it's a big building. Right. Right. And so I don't think that you would have that huge of a building to be like, this is a phone company just to have 20 people only working. And then none of them are actually phone company people. Right. Right. Agreed. Um, Agreed. 100%. So I, I think it's definitely like it's, they probably pay bell to be like, Hey, we're going to have some people in your space. Right. And, uh, just know. You know, they, yeah. So actually um, about the dress, I do have something uh, to say about that, which is mm-hmm. uh, Looks it great. was acknowledged by the costume oh. department that she wore it, it's red, white and blue as a tribute mm. to Captain America, like on purpose, red, white and blue. Now, see, that's interesting, considering she's also from the UK, which is also red, right. white and blue. But for sure. Yeah. The, right. uh, you mean the thing that makes Captain Carter work? Right. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> Someone somewhere was like, boy, thank goodness those flags are the same color. So yeah, that, that that's one thing about the thing. Um, I think that <laughs> there's a very interesting, like, quick sort of uh, rogue gallery of chauvinism in the meeting. Oh, yeah. Um, where I, I broke it down. Uh, Dooley, I said, uh, I said the four types of chauvinism. Dooley is dis- dismiss- dismissive but officially not specifically about her being a woman. Like he doesn't like, no, you can't cause you're a dame because he's the boss and he can't, you know, I don't mm-hmm. know how HR departments were, uh, anything in 1946, but, um, he it wants is a to... little like Phillips, but not as accepting. Right. Exactly. If Phillips wasn't on her side ever. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and then Krasminski is uh blatant assholery and I had assholery, and then autocorrect was like, that's spelled assholery with no E after the asshole. And I was like, thanks, autocorrect. What a wild thing for you to correct my spelling on. <laughs> uh, and then Sousa as the white knight. And then Thompson with like the subtle assholery, which is like, is this banter or are you being a jerk? And it's both. Well, let's go back to the song. Uh, the song that's playing while she's getting ready yeah. and reminiscing and whatever is called That Man. Uh, written by David Schrers and Vincent DiGiorgio, uh, performed by a uh, Dutch musician named uh, Caro El- Emerald. Uh, and this song hilariously appeared on her, her 2010 album, Deleted Scenes from the Cutting Room Floor, which I pray, hoped and prayed 
was all her soundtrack work. It doesn't appear to be, and it's just oh, a coincidence. That would be so cool, though. But like, um, yeah. So, and it was released in on May fourteenth, twenty ten, in the Netherlands. It did okay in the Netherlands and okay in on. It made the top ten of the UK UK indie charts. So V, it's just such a weird choice to use because like. Yeah. They use prop. I hate to say this. Like, I'm not saying this is not proper music, right? They but use I mean, period. Like, but they yeah. use period music later on when they're at the laundromat, right? Right. And um, it's perfect. Autumn. And like, sure, yeah. What I say, right? Laundromat. Laundromat. Yeah. Yeah. It's not that. That's not what it is. Yeah, you're right. <laughs> uh, but like, like that to me, right? You're like, cool. This makes sense. But like this one, the, it's. It'd be one thing if it was just like if it was just playing, but there was no radio or anything like that. But it's the fact that she like turns on the radio and then it's like, boom, bop, boom, bop, boom, and it has like a very clear like two thousands backbeat type thing on it. Right. That's like added to it like and like sound effects like. Right. It's processed yeah. in a in a way that they couldn't do back then, and you're like, right. what is what's happening? And it's like very weird. And like and you I know guess why you could blame it doing... on Howard Stark, but right, right, for sure. Howard Stark went to the future and was like, "Hey, Caro Emerald, more like Caro Diamond. You're coming with me." And she's like, "All right, but hey, I'm paying for my half of the flight because <laughs> okay. we're gonna go Dutch." Okay. All right, so okay. uh, it was also used in the season three uh, Vampire Diaries episode "Do Not Go Gentle," and in the Disney nature film "Chimpanzee." So those three classic places of, of that being. Um, as I force quit the map, I just accidentally opened. Uh, so okay. let's talk real quick about a Murphy bed, which is what they have in their apartment. Yeah, which Peggy sort of finishes her getting ready by putting it up right as Colleen walks in and says, hey, put that back down. I'm sick. I have to stay home here and vulnerable. Um, and just all by my lonesome um all day. it was named after uh, william lawrence murphy uh, an irish immigrant in new york who wanted to find a creative method for making space in his small apartment he started applying for patents around 1900 which makes him 24 when he started doing patents for this stuff just putting that out there crumbles to dust um according to legend he was wooing an opera singer was that uh, was i crumbled to dust because of uh, he was 24 when he started making this iconic thing. Sure. Um, according to legend, he was, according to legend, he was wooing an opera singer, but living in a one-bedroom, one-room apartment in San Francisco, and the moral code of the time frowned upon a woman entering a man's bedroom. So his invention converted his bedroom into a parlor, which meant that he could have her over, and then he could pull out the bed. Earlier fold-up beds had existed and were even available through the Sears and Robux uh, catalog, which I love thinking about old Sears and Robux catalog, which had literally like everything because if you're out, like amazing. Um, Murphy introduced a pivot and counterbalance designs uh, for for which he received a series of patents, including one for a, quote, disappearing bed on June 18th, 1912, and another for a, quote, design for a bed. On June 27th, 1916, they're like, my man, you need to get more specific with your patent names. Here's the thing <laughs> I thought of, a patent by William Lawrence Murphy. <laughs> Billy Murphy, inventor. Um, I once ate a Reuben sandwich on 32nd Street. 
<laughs> like this is my design for the napkin. Dude, we have that already. Yeah, but not my kind. Called an Irish napkin. It goes away without telling me. Um, <laughs> Every time you go to red... wipe your face, like what the hell? Yeah, exactly. Um, she's putting away a red dress, which she said I borrowed from you last night while you were at work, which is a very roommatey thing to think to say. Mm-hmm. But it's a red dress, and she says that kind of thing might really catch a man's eye, which is a nice winky thing. Right? At, oh yeah. yeah. Um, Look at how then, painfully single you are. <laughs> yeah. Then she's is like, also very funny. "I'm gonna, I'm gonna, you know, I wish I could meet a man one day. I'm gonna go out, whatever." And she says, "Don't hold your breath, especially with tuberculosis," which is a callback to what she said when she came in. I'm feeling sick. I think I have tuberculosis, which is hilarious. I guess I. Yeah, TB, topical, <laughs> you know? Yeah, exactly. COVID-19. Anyway, so. I I don't know if you're like me, Colin. Uh-huh. I didn't know what the hell an automat was. I thought laundromat. I thought car. Why aren't they calling this thing a diner? So here's what an automat is. I wrote, what's an automat? And that's what I put for my notes when I'm like, let's research can this I later. Can I take a stab in the dark? You can. Okay. But not an, an automat. Okay, sure. No, what I here's here's what I think it is, mm-hmm. and then you tell me if I'm if I'm right or wrong. I okay. believe a diner is where you order your food, and then mm-hmm. someone in a kitchen goes and makes everything up fresh, ready to go. Right. Uh, but I believe an an automat is where either a large portion, if not all of your uh, food, is effectively made and you know crafted just sort of like whenever and like in like almost like a here's a heat lamp keeping something right they like wrap things up or whatever and put them in these um like kind of like cubbies that you Mm -hmm. then pay with coins like you would uh, like a laundromat you put your coins in you twist the thing and it opens so you can pull out your your dish and so you are automatically your auto auto service right Right. You are yep. serving your yourself. That is that is correct. This appears to be like a a hybrid mm-hmm. because the guy we're, we're, who we're going to meet Kevin Heffernan from uh Super Troopers uh is ordering food like eggs. Right. But like you can get sandwiches and like I, pieces of pie and stuff. I was going to say I imagine that this yeah. sort of situation especially in like a big city it's probably that things that can stay like cooled cuz I I it's probably refrigerated that machine. Right. Um so it's probably like cold and things that can stay for a long time are there so especially if like during like the 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 lunch rush and stuff like that people come in from their workplaces they just put the coins right. in take the sandwich and then they could also potentially just take the thing and fucking walk out right. you know and it's it's funny cuz it's a vending machine right. but i don't think of it as a vending machine because it's it doesn't drop down you don't yeah. you don't put in like a13 and then it gives you a snickers bar right. or whatever you know what i mean hilarious hilariously less automated than vending machines even though it's at an automat um it was a it was a the first automat in the u.s was opened in 1902 in philadelphia um by horn and Hardart, um which i think i'm not positive but this is the l and l automat and i'm wondering if it's h and h was the official so this is l and l um i'm also thinking like isn't like um like Stan Lee and Joe Lieber or something. Isn't there like a, aren't there two famous L people in the, there could be anyways. Um, Wait, that was his original name. Oh, Stan Lee. Hmm. 
Anyways, anyways. Um, so basically, the, it started in uh, Berlin. There were these, this guy, Max Seeloff, had his automat restaurants. Um, they became the first, uh, in these ones in Philadelphia became the first 47 restaurants and the first non-Europeans to receive patented vending machines from the Seeloff's Berlin factory. The automat was brought to New York City in 1912 and gradually became a part of popular cultural popular culture in northern industrial cities. Um, they were popular with a wide variety of patrons, including Walter Winchell, who was a famous sort of news broadcaster, uh, Irving Berlin, and other celebrities of the era. The New York automats were popular with unemployed songwriters and actors. So I'm like, hey, Angie. Um, right, makes sense. Angie, you're here all the time. Want a job? I don't know. Yeah, thank you, Mr. Lewis. Is Mr. Larson going to be okay with you hiring me? Sure. Yeah. My husband is <laughs> Good follow-up, James. Good, good um, follow-up. <laughs> really uh, Have you seen that this, TikTok this where the, the girl's like, improv with me? All right. Uh, yeah. And, it's and like, like, she's it's like, like the worst. Yeah. But it's, it's like, like, she's obviously doing it. Like, she's obviously incredibly skilled oh, at doing sure. the yeah, most yeah. awkward. Anyways. Yeah. Um, playwright Neil Simon called Automat's the maxims of the disenfranchised, which in what I imagine is typical Neil Simon stuff is like, what does that mean? Maxims is like a, a fancy restaurant where lots of like Hollywood types would meet. Sure. So this is, yeah. Uh, in a 1987 article, which is remarkably late for talking about automats, um, the format was threatened by the arrival of fast food served over the counter and with more payment flexibility than traditional automats. Um, by the 1970s, the automats' remaining appeal in their core urban markets was strictly nostalgic. Another contributing factor to their demise was the inflation was the inflation of the 1970s, increasing food prices, which made the use of coins increasingly inconvenient in a time before bill acceptors commonly appeared on vending machine vending equipment. Uh, at one time, there were 40 Horn and Hardart automats in New York City alone. The last one closed in 1991. Horn and Hardheart converted most of the, its New York City locations to Burger Kings, which I thought was wildly specific wow. and like kind of tragic sounding. Like, yeah, I mean, it really is because it's not a good fast food joint. Well, I like, listen, I'm going to say Burger King fries are the best fast food fries. Oh, strong disagree. Oh, God, that's tragic to me. Now, I ain't going to lie to you. The boys done and messed up. They went off on a tangent and just derailed the entire show. Let's get back on track, shall we? Tangents. My next thing is, uh, so she's she's reading the paper, as we've talked about. Um, my question is, why would the paper with the headline about Stark have such a big picture of Captain America? That's just a that's just an aside. It says Captain America ally. Right, but that's like. Uh, Paul Simon's wife releases a new album. Right. No, I, no, so here's, here's what I think it is. I think it is they are, they want people to be angry about Stark. So right. What they're doing is they are invoking the image of Captain America and how much everyone loved him. Right. So that when you see him and think, yeah, I love that guy. And then you read about the terrible things that his friend is doing. You go, oh, that fucking sucks. He, this guy would be upset about that. Right. Plus, I, also, it's fun to put the face of the dead loved one in front of a woman, like who's just started her own TV series. You know what I mean? Like, <laughs> right. I was, yeah. I certainly wasn't saying that that 
the makers of the show were wrong when they put that part of the newspaper together. Sure. That seems fine. There are there other parts of the newspaper that aren't, but um, <laughs> we can definitely explain in the fiction why that would happen. I think you're absolutely right. It's like, Captain America ally is a traitor. And then below, they're like, and here he is. Howard Stark is missing. Yeah. <laughs> I would really and he was glib with us, like, so... Giant photo of Captain America, mediocre size. But you know, I also wonder if it's a little bit to prey on the ego of Howard Stark. Mm. You say, oh, like it's like a trap. Instead of well, it's also like instead of saying Howard Stark in trouble, you say Captain America ally, mm-hmm. and then you put Captain America. You don't put Stark front and center, and Stark's right. like, whoa, 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 why the why are you giving yeah. this guy the spotlight? It's like they never yeah. get my nose right entangled. Like the, you know, yeah. looking at the wanted poster and being like, "Hey, come on." Yeah. Yeah. So he's like, he's th- then you're like, he gets a little angry about that or whatever, and so then he goes in the courtroom, rattled, and then maybe they get him. You know. Exactly. They attack him and they kill him. Senators have blood on their hands. 1991. Anyway. 1991. <laughs> oh no. When you think about this... it, 1991 was really a terrible year for Marvel, right? The Winter Soldier. Um, and for automats also. Um, <laughs> you know, in a way, Howard Stark is a little bit like the automat. And Winter Soldier is sort of like the Burger King. <laughs> oh, boy. All right. So, hey, um, here's so. That's a real. Then we have a, a reference, a quick reference. This is just the quickest of references. Angie says that she uh, went to an edition and she got two lines into is you is or is you ain't my baby before they cut her off. And she says, I guess I ain't uh, it's a song. <laughs> it's a written by, it is a good line. Uh, Louis, Louis Jordan wrote it first recorded in 1943. Um, it was the, it was a B side of a single called GI jive. And if you were like, what song exactly? Sometimes the B sides are better than the uh, A sides. Uh, I will say that Bing Crosby and the Andrews sisters recorded the song on June 30th, 1944, because of course they did. Mm-hmm. Uh, it reached the number two spot um, in the Billboard charts during a 12-week stay. The song was covered by Ira Buck Woods as Tom Cat in the 1946 Tom and Jerry short Solid Serenade, which is what the song is mainly known for, is what Wikipedia said to me via the internet. Um, and I love the idea that she was, she picked that for her audition because she's like, I saw that Tom and Jerry cartoon and I just thought <laughs> that's the one, that's the one for me. I just couldn't stop <laughs> thinking about it. So exactly. Um, I was like, I can sing that. Um, another song cuts in spend it all my rainy days with you performed by Glenn Kreitzer as Glenn Kreitzer Savoy seven. Um, you said uh, it's good to hear some like actual, uh, yeah, period, period music. music yeah. Uh, the most of his discography. Uh, Glenn Kreitzer was born in uh, 1980. Um, Interesting. He uh, released albums between 2009 and 2018. Um, I would imagine Uptown Jump is the I mean, album from 2015. That, so I mean, to, some people make clear, the sound. Yeah, as I say, to be very clear, because this happened in Agents of Shield as well. Yeah. Remember there was a song from 2010. Yeah, that, that was, was on that Agnes's was for 1930. No, 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 for at the at the uh 1920. At the No, no. 1920. Was that when Agnes was fixing the radio? No, no, no. no. This was oh, okay. this was when they were going to FDR's 
um uh like speech thing rally yeah yeah and and the the band was oh the was band playing. was playing right yeah. right right yeah so. well squirrel nut zippers is the band i always point to for like authentic sound of like period the period that they're being mm-hmm. they get they got their production to be to make them sound like that um pretty consistently right um so yeah so i mean that's that it's funny because his picture on wikipedia i was like yeah it is it's like an old looking like it's an old looking pose it's black and white he looks kind of goofy like a 1940s like band leader but he is uh not um and then let's see so then we get um she goes outside almost gets you know thinks that jarvis is attacking her almost gets run over by some stranger who turns out to be howard stark uh he's driving a 1947 chevrolet Fleetmaster. I was like, 1947, it's 1946. Then I looked up uh, when you can start using the next year for your production lines. And right, yes. FDR, like, standardized that. Um, right. So it's not outside the realm of possibilities that he would be driving a 1947 Chevrolet right. Fleetmaster in April of 1946. Um I do like to think that Howard Stark got his hands on one early because he's Howard Stark. Oh, for Stark. sure. I was going to say, yeah. yeah, they definitely, yeah, yeah for yeah. sure. Um, he I, made it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. They call it, it was a, a Chevrolet Stark Master is what, uh, is what he wanted them to call it. And they said, absolutely no. Um, he talks about his bad babies, which is a, a very Starkian way of referring to dangerous inventions. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and I wrote, sure. remember that woman from the end of 1945 who likes a man with a vault? Just pointing, just just saying mm. that, putting that out there. Um, Keeping it fresh. Yeah, exactly. Uh, so then he says that the thing that's going on sale next is a piece of paper which has a formula for molecular nitramine. Um there is an entire class of high explosives called nitroamines or nitramines, but with an I nitro like a M I N E is like amine. It means like an NH three thing. Um, but the most famous one is RDX, which is the main ingredient in C four and also the name of a model of car. And every time I see the like Mazda RDX, I'm like, that's really funny. Um, RDX is one of the explosives that I tested for in my first job as a chemist outside of, yeah. Jeez. Yeah. Um, then they, uh, he drives, they drive down to the docks because he is again, escaping the country on a, in a speedboat. Um, and he says, I need you to clear my name because I wouldn't trust anyone else. And then he gives her, a friendly hug and says, I owe you one pal. And it's the most wholesome. Howard Stark is a decent dude. He's a big right. brother, you know, like a little brother little energy brother. sort of deal. Now Barn I'm going to bring this up. Probably our Jeep. Was that Barn stole a Jeep? Yeah. <laughs> energy. Go ahead. Um, I like to see my sister making out. Um, wait, um, Sweet home. I am going to bring this up every single time that I think about uh, this kind of thing. The like, you know, I owe you one pal, specifically the use of the word pal. I know that you have issues with Jimmy Fallon. However, Jimmy Fallon is the most hands off of your attractive female guests 
makes it very clear that he understands there's a boundary, isn't like touching, and he always calls them pal. And I really, really enjoy that. And I know what you have, how he runs his show, whatever. He is very, he is very respectful of women's boundaries, and I think that is very important. And he says, I figure you'd never have any trouble finding a man. And she says the trick is finding the right one, which is some of the best writing I can think of because it not only, it's a charming thing for him to say, it's a charming thing for her to say. It kind of calls back the like dance partner thing. Dance partner thing. It's, that's a brilliant, and it's also about investigation. Right. Like, yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Good girl. So, um, Finding your man. And that's a very noiry thing right. to do. Um, oh, yeah. She then walks off with Jarvis and says, um, you know, he's like, here's my number. Call anytime before nine. She says, what happens at nine? He says, well, we go to bed. It's seven o'clock, Sherry, eight o'clock, Benny Goodman, nine o'clock bed. And she's like, is this your first time? This is your first. You're new to espionage, aren't you, Mr. Jarvis? And he says, no. Actually, last year I caught the uh, the cook stealing the good, the good spoons. Right. Yeah. And uh, then they drive off. Um, he okay. I want to. I want to say this. I think the best writing in this show is all Jarvis. Oh, okay. I was going to say Jarder. Well, yes, for sure. But I mean, like, I yeah. think that, like, overall, right? Like, the dialogue between the two of them is very good. It's always very punchy. Very good, like you know, dynamic between the two of them. Yeah. But just in general. Sure. Like there are scenes that where she is not in that he is in that he still nails like I mean like they nail like I don't know how to say this since episode one they found that character yeah and they they found his voice essentially and just Absolutely. they hammered at home every it's like again talking about like when we talked about you know Phillips being kind of like this master class in a specific right. type of character once again like this type of character masterclass both in writing and in the acting of it i think i would believe if if you told me they realized they want they had a good take on jarvis and that was how agent carter happened i would i would fully agree with that as well yeah or um, rather which that, is not that a, is i don't mean that is a disservice to peggy no no i mean i also think that part of it could also be very much that they had they could have had plans for a different type of show right and then someone basically introduced this element, and then they're like, "Okay, new yeah. idea. We take these things, and then you know, you know yeah, yeah." <laughs> like we have this idea for uh, a Jarvis television show that no one is buying. I don't know why. Maybe they if you say the- Jarvis Butler of Howard Stark, yeah, <laughs> maybe then people will get the idea. And then people just call it Jarvis Butt, and you're like, "Wait." <laughs> um, but then they saw the Agent Carter one shot at the Comic Con, and they're like, "Wait a minute, hang on." What right. if we mix those two together? Um, so <clears throat> the last thing I have is about, I nearly forgot to do this. Avengers Ensemble? Edwin Jarvis oh. in the comics. Yes. Um, his first appearance, Tales of Suspense, number 59 in August 1964. He was born and raised in Brooklyn. I was like, what? Uh, during World War II, he ran away to join the Canadian Royal Air Force to fight for Britain against the Nazis as an underage pilot. It was during this time in England he picked up an upper-class English accent. Returning to the United States, he found a position as a butler with someone. Um, Oh, here it is. Um, Edwin Jarvis became the butler in the employ of millionaire inventor and industrialist Howard and Maria Stark. 
and continue to work for Anthony Stark after their deaths in that the comics. That feels uncomfortable. Yeah. I don't think at any point in Marvel, like at least like at least in MCU, I have never seen someone call him Anthony. Anthony? Yeah. And that that you when you said that just now, it made it literally made my skin crawl. Like I did not feel well hearing that. I, I would like gross. to hear uh, an ant of Tony Stark's call him Anthony. Um, mm. I'd be down with that. That'd be that'd be all right. <sighs> um, I didn't also do Howard Stark in the comics. We've seen Howard Stark though. I'm, I think we may have mentioned him. Yes, we've met him so, before. Right. That's why. Yeah. Cool. A couple times. In fact, we just talked about him in the last. In fact, we he's too. been several. Right. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um. Okay. So, Colin. Yes, James. All I have left is Avengers Ensemble. Shall I just go through that now? Yeah, let's just barrel right, right through it. No commentary. This is, just this is it. beginning of the series, beginning of the first episode, introducing all the characters of Avengers Ensemble. This is like, yeah. All right. Agent Carter, season one, episode one, is called Now is Not the End, which is a reference to a Winston Churchill speech in which he said... Uh, now is not now. This is not the end. It is not even the beginning of the end, but it is perhaps the end of the beginning, uh, which is a cool thing to call your pilot. Uh, it aired on January sixth, twenty fifteen. It was written by Christopher Marcus and Stephen McFeely. Heard of them? Yeah, they wrote <laughs> Captain America. Uh, yeah. An update for them. They also wrote The Gray Man, um, mm-hmm. which starred uh, Chris Evans and um, other people. And um, so uh, it was directed by Luis Despacito, who we just talked We've about also recently. Talked about recently, yeah. yeah. Um, it's a name you'll hear a lot. Yes. In Marvel, is it Luis or Louis? Do you know? I believe it's Louis. Okay. Uh, Colleen O'Brien is played by Ashley Hinshaw. She was on two episodes of True Detective, four episodes of True Blood. She was only in things that were true in it. Uh, she was in the Death and Return of Superman, and is was on one episode of Fringe. Uh, Rose is played by Leslie Boone, who is in two episodes of Medium and one episode of Mr. Belvedere, which I included because that is a wild credit to have because that show is old as hell. Um, uh, Roger Dooley is played by Shea Wiggum, which sounds like a made-up name, and which I didn't recognize when you talked about Shea Wiggum before, um, when we brought him up before. Uh, he was in. He's going to be in Mission Impossible Dead Reckoning Parts 1 and 2, which is also going to have Haley Atwell. Uh he is going to be in Spider-Man Across the Spider-Verse. He was in The Gray Man, uh, hmm. F9, um, The Fast Saga. Um, I don't know. Vampires vs. the Bronx, uh, Joker. The Catcher was a Spy, which is a Paul Rudd movie. Oh, um, hmm. Where apparently he plays... Uh, that, actually, there was a, in the 1940s, there was a catcher who was a spy. It's a true story. Um, okay. Five episodes of Fargo. He was in Kong, Skull Island, uh, Star Trek Beyond, 56 episodes of Boardwalk Empire, two episodes of True Detective, American Hustle, Fast and Furious 6, Silver Linings Playbook with Bradley Cooper. He was in Machete, one episode of Medium, and he was in Fast and Furious, which I believe is the fifth one, where they got rid of the thes. Senator so. Webster was in, was played... Senator, Web, Senator Webster is played by a guy named Bill Kalmanson. He was in one episode of True Detective, one episode of 24, one episode of Six Feet Under, and one episode of Remington Steel, uh, which had Pierce Brosnan in it. Um, Jack Thompson uh, is played by Chad Michael Murray. 
I just realized I want to talk about their banter back and forth. We'll get to that in a second. Sure. Uh, he was in eight episodes of Riverdale, uh, one episode of Scream Queens, The Haunting in Connecticut, two Ghosts of Georgia, which is a wild name for a sequel to A Haunting in Connecticut. It's that's it's I mean, a, it's, it's like it's a, a Troy McClure distance. movie title. That's like, a big that's a big that's a big jump. It's Christmas Ape and then Christmas Ape two. You know, Christmas Ape Summer Vacation, uh, which are actual <laughs> Troy McClure. Uh, okay. <laughs> Literally um, caused me to cough. Okay. Crazy. Uh, he was in 131 episodes of One Tree Hill with my classmate and uh, co-starring right. school plays Hillary Burton. Uh, he was in Hacks, House of Wax, and he was in Freaky Friday as the cute male love interest. Um. Of Lindsay That's Lohan. what it literally caused that character? No, no, no. I'm sure okay. his name was like Jeff or something. Okay. Like, I, I thought you were reading that part directly off IMDb. No, no, no. I was like, he was in enough of that movie where I feel yeah, like no, we would yeah, have heard sure. his he, name. He, he showed her how to play guitar, which she already knew, but he was cute. Right. Um, Daniel Sousa so is like, played you, by- You cutefully let someone- yeah. Cutefully? But you cutely let someone mansplain to you? It's like, a, yeah, in, which literally happens in Mean Girls with the same actress being like- yeah. Oh, okay. And then he's explaining it completely wrong. Yeah. That's hilarious. Um, all the actors in Mean Girls turned out to be gay. Which found out on TikTok. Um, huh. The, yeah, the, the love interest guy. Yeah. Uh, the guy that's on math in Mathletes and the friend. All right. So uh, Enver Godkaj is the guy that plays da- Daniel Sousa. One episode of The Walking Dead. Two episodes of Dexter. Uh, he plays a young cop in the Avengers, um, okay. which is cool. And uh, I will be making part of our canon that he it's his son or something. Sure. Um, uh, one episode of Community, uh, 27 episodes of Dollhouse. He is who I... So I think Eliza Dushka was the star of Dollhouse. The girl that plays uh, John Yang was the female like supporting role. And this guy was the male supporting role. Like I first saw this guy in Dollhouse as like the man, like the 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 man character, right? Uh, and he was an Eagle Eye, which I believe is that Shia LaBeouf thing. Um, so. Rickers Minsky is uh, played by a guy named Kyle Bornheimer. Uh, he was in seven episodes of Brooklyn Nine Nine, as I believe uh, uh, the love interest that was super boring when Jake and uh, what's her name were not together. Um, again, Westward. He was in one episode of Westworld, um, one episode of Better Call Saul, and one episode of Breaking Bad where he plays the same person uh, who is basically just a rich asshole. Like, Cool. He plays them very well. Love that. Um, one episode of Veronica Mars, one episode of Arrested Development, one episode of Chuck, 16 episodes of Worst Week, which just real quick is a British remake television program that my wife caught on something, Hulu or Netflix or something one time. And died laughing, showed, watched it again entirely through with me, then watched it again entirely through with her mom. Like, it was a hit. I think my wife, at one point, was the biggest Worst Week fan <laughs> that exists. Uh, one episode of yeah. The Office, one episode of Medium, one episode of How I Met Your Mother. Uh, Agent Yauk is played by a guy named Alexander Carroll. Angie Martinelli is played by Lindsay Fonseca, 
who is uh, who is in one episode of American Dad, 65, <laughs> somehow 65 episodes of How I Met Your Mother as one of the kids of the title character, uh, 73 episodes of Nikita, which right. is wild that she was in that, um, which is basically sort of like, what if Black Widow wasn't a Marvel property? Uh, she was in Kick-Ass and Kick-Ass 2. She was in Hot, Hot Tub Time Machine, and she was in one episode of Heroes. Uh I called this character Jerk at Restaurant. Uh, the credits called him <laughs> Madison Avenue Guy, which I think is generous. Um, is played by Kevin Heffernan. Uh, he was in Super Troopers, Super Troopers 2, oh, yeah. and Super Troopers 3, Winter Soldiers, which is a hilarious name. That's really funny. <laughs> that's, re- that's incredible. Uh, he was in Scoob which I only note because that was the movie my kids wanted to watch during during the pandemic that we were unable to access um, in any way. Uh, he was in two episodes of Time Traveling Bong. It may, that may have been a two-part movie uh, that I for sure a- absolutely watched. Um, um, one of the girls from Broad City was in it, mm-hmm. and I was in the midst of my really being into Broad City because it's an excellent show. So I did watch Time Traveling Bong, which sort of feels outside of the realm of what I like, but it was very good. Uh, uh, real fast, was, I, I do want to say, I was like, wait, when did that one come out? Right for the, It hasn't yet. Right, yeah, it has not yet yeah. come out. But that still, I was like, whoa, what? I don't remember yeah. that being, yeah. What, hang on, what, isn't he also, uh, maybe you mentioned it and I got a little bit mentally sidetracked by Winter Soldiers. What's the one that they do that's, it's the same company, same group of guys, that where they are like a beer drinking crew. Oh, is that Beer Fest? I think so. Yeah. And then Club Dread also, I think, right. is the other thing. Because that That's one. Lizard. What's it called? Lizard? Something Lizard. Oh, yeah. I find, oh, what is the fucking name of that group? Because um, literally I'm just talking about it. Uh, Broken Lizard. Broken Lizard. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's it, it's uh, the, the one, though, that uh, the reason why I wanted to bring that one up, though, uh, beer fest yeah is because in that one he dies okay and then uh i mean kevin heffernan right and then he straight up shows up in like the next scene as his cousin and is like hey but you know what in honor of him like i would love it if you would call me the same nickname that you call him <laughs> yeah I, so like they all call him landfill right okay and then he's like hey out of respect to my cousin and like to keep his legacy going his like he comes in as cousin Gil and then he's like could you just call me landfill and they're like yeah absolutely he's like great and then they move on and so it is literally like a thing as if he essentially has one scene that he's not in and then he's just back in and it's really really funny that's really funny and that's sort that's sort of like what we were talking about with like the you know um retcon it's like yeah. a mid movie retcon it's, um, I don't know how to describe it, but it's just yeah, one of those things awesome. where it's like, I mean, I, I feel like that had to have been a joke that was in the writer's room where they were like, this is the funniest thing you could have said. Right. Right. Which is just yeah. like, what if I play the same guy, but like he comes like he comes back from the dead and they're like, how did he come back from the dead? He's like, it's just like his brother or something. And they're like, fucking amazing. Yeah, just do it. That's uh, awesome. So it's, yeah, it's so, so good. I mean, again, he on screen, dead for two minutes, maybe. Right. If even, you know? Right. Uh, yeah. It's hilarious. Um, it's To me, it's one of the funniest things they've ever done in a movie. Mm. And like, 
And I'm not saying that like I don't. I hope that no one thinks that that's a slam because I think of no. the stuff that they do is very very good. No, but uh, that's right a lot up of those that, movies. But like that's that, right up your alley. That kind yeah. of joke is is exactly a yeah. Colin joke. That's it, absolutely yeah. yeah. It, I mean, let me. I'll tell you, like, not like not to make a wordplay here, but it absolutely killed me the first time I saw right. that. I lost my mind. <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, he was also in one episode of How I Met Your Mother. He was in the movie Sky High, one episode of Arrested Development. And then finally, Edwin Jarvis is played by James Darcy, who is in the upcoming Oppenheimer movie, which is funny because we were just talking about the atomic bomb. Uh, six episodes of Homeland. He was in Jupiter Ascending, Hitchcock, Cloud Atlas, Doctor Who, colon, Paradise Five. Um, he was in one episode of Bone Kickers, as we have previously mentioned, uh, and Rise Blood Hunter, which is just a badass title. Uh, he was in Exorcist, The Beginning, and uh, a 2002 version of Sherlock Holmes, which was called Sherlock, but not that one, and I don't think the other one. But in fact, Britain likes to make Sherlock every like three years just can I, to can like I be honest with you sherlock is a lot like doctor like the doctor from doctor who yeah it's like every you know few years that he's got to regenerate and become a right. new man yeah and they tell you the same fucking story basically uh, uh yeah yeah but i will say that that sherlock with uh, benedict cumberbatch is unimpeachably great um just want to really quick uh, circle back around because we kind of skipped over it because i was excited to talk about automats which is funny because there's a bit of dialogue uh, between Thompson uh, and Carter, which I really liked. He's like, hey, I'm going to go out. I got to go out on this mission. Uh, if you could do my work for me, is not what he says, but he says it in a much more charming way. Pretty much, yeah. You're just so much better at it than I am, which is like classic asshole, asshole male chauvinist male, stuff. Yeah. yeah. Um, and he's like, he's, she's like, what, the alphabet? I can teach you. Let's yeah. start with words. Let's talk about words starting with A, with a by yeah. which she means asshole, right? Of course, yeah. And then really he leaves and he says, adios, auf Wiedersehen, aloha, which is yeah. the best response to that you could possibly do. It like it sucks that like that is such a good line. Yeah. Or, like, such a good like, you know, throwing it back because like, damn, she really got him raked over the coals she there. Did. And then he fucking Uno reversed <laughs> it and she's like, shit. Yeah. Damn it. And then we cut to the automat, which I think is very funny because it's oh, also a word that starts with an A. Yeah. And then uh, she talks to Angie. Angie, right. Exactly. Wait a minute. Do and you it's think? the first episode? Yeah. It's a is the yeah. first letter of the alphabet. Do you think, though, that straight up, like, originally Angie was going to be like, you know, Susan? And then they were right. just like, hey. Maria. You know, it'd be really great. What if what if we change her name to an A so that that way we it's like oh yeah we, we like this line so much and you know what I agree and if they did worth it um, uh, yeah perfect Maria Angie Martinelli um, would later marry Howard Stark that's all I have do you want to uh, decode the message and send us off on a mission to social media. Uh, yeah, you know what's funny is earlier you said something that to me was like, oh, that should be the Agent Carter sign-off, and I've okay. immediately forgotten it. Okay. I'll have to, hopefully, I'll hear it again when I'm listening to this mm, hour and a half recording. Uh, 
and uh, I will find. That's what I said earlier when I was like, mm, maybe we could move to this one thing, and you were like, I'll agree that this was a long one for sure. So yeah, let's 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 get out of here. So if you want to find the show, you can find us at Timeline Scav. If you want to follow the network that we're part of, you can hit us up at Scavengers Net. Uh, if you want to follow me and talk to me about you know Angie and Automats and whatever. You can follow me at Colin M. Parker. If you want to talk to someone about fold-out beds, uh, that was this episode, right? Yeah. Uh, yeah. You can write to James at... Uh, James at Murphy Bed Incorporated. No, uh, uh, that is unabashed James. And, of course, if you want to find the gentleman who made the music at the beginning and the end of this episode, you can follow Nick Bramald at N-B-R-A-M-A-L-D or nickbramaldcomposer.co.uk. That's going to do it for us on this episode of Timeline Scavengers. As always, I'm Colin Parker. I'm Jamie Anderson. Excelsior! The Scavengers Network. Creator-driven. Community-focused. Treasured content.